Hello, Mama. Hope you're having a great day. I'm excited to be joining you today. We're going to talk about the question, can you lose your salvation? I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. This is kind of a question that I don't necessarily feel fully equipped to answer. I don't have a degree in theology. I've had a, a lot of theology classes, but you know, it's not my full profession. And so, uh, but the reason that I'm bringing this to you today is because I had someone email me this question and, you know, I kind of emailed her back and gave her, uh, you know, kind of a short answer. And then she had more questions and they were such great questions that I was like, okay, I think we need to talk about this. I think that we need to go here because I think... I imagine there's many of you that have this question or have many of the questions that she posed. And I want to help you just get your faith right. Now, we're going to talk about what the right answer and the wrong answer is and if there is such a thing. But <laughs> but we're also going to talk about the right way of thinking about this. And that's kind of the more important thing that you're going to glean from it. But my encouragement before we jump into you is to ask your questions. Like I love this. When you have specific questions you want me to do an episode on, this is the best. It gives me, you know, I don't have to think up an idea. I know what you're looking for. So make sure you either email me your questions. You can always email me at support at morningmama.co or hop in the Facebook group and post them there. And, um, Lauren always gets them over to me. And so I love them. And make sure you're in our Facebook group. It's at bit.ly, B-I-T slash Morning Mama Facebook group. Such an amazing community of women. And then I also get to know your stories and I get to know what you're looking for and what what questions you want answered. Now, I don't have all the answers in all of the world, but I love good conversations. And And even today, I don't have like you'll see. I don't want to be, I don't want to spoil it all, but we're just going to have a conversation around this question. And I'm, I'm just excited to go there. So, um, buckle up and please send me all of your questions all the time. You can send them on Instagram too. My Instagram is morning mama podcast. I rarely post on there, but I am there and I will, uh, answer your DMS. So find me there. Can't wait to meet you and hear your questions. So let's go. Welcome to the Morning Mama Podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. All right, Mama. So today we're talking about the question, can you lose your salvation? And I want to read you part of the email that I received. Uh, this Mama said, I'm wondering if you could talk about salvation and your thoughts on if we can lose our salvation. Can you define it? Should a church believe that you can lose your salvation? Is there criteria for losing it if possible? So many great questions, right? I love this. And and my kind of initial response to her, I'm going to share a little bit about, but uh, the biggest part I told her about is like, I don't know that I'm fully equipped to answer this question for you. Uh, but then as she asked more questions, I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to talk more in depth about this. But I, I first just want to say, you know, I remind you, I'm not a theologian. I, I've taken theology classes. I read my Bible, but that is not my profession. And the biggest thing I want to tell you with regards to this question specifically is that there are multiple beliefs within the Christian church. And 
I imagine most of you have come across this by this at this point, but maybe not. You know, there's so many different kind of non-essential items about our faith that the church disagrees on. And this is how different denominations of the Christian church got formed is we would split on these different issues enough to form a new denomination. Now we call these non-essentials of our faith because it's not about the core stuff, right? The core stuff is that Jesus is God. He is the only way to God. We're all sinners. Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Those are the non-negotiables of our faith. Now, if someone departs from those non-negotiables, they cannot call themselves a Christian. They're they can call themselves something else, but they would not be a Christian because those are the tenets of their Christian faith that are non-negotiable. Now, there's these other non-essential things like, can you lose your salvation? Is there a second baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do people still speak in tongues, right? There's a lot of other of these extra non-essential items of our faith. And well, it's okay to find a church and it can be good to find a church that really aligns with your beliefs and, and where you stand. Ultimately, we do want to work towards remaining united. We are the body of Christ, right? Every one of us makes up a part of the body. And if the body is divided, then we're not going to be as strong. You know, Matthew 25, Matthew 12, 25 says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And so we got to make sure as we're talking about these things that we are choosing to remain united. It's okay if you listen to this and you disagree with me. And it's okay if your your friend or your neighbor or your sibling disagrees with this topic, right? The important things that we would want to fight for and we would want to stand up for are the things that matter, like the essentials of our faith, that Jesus died on the cross. He's the only way to God, right? All those things I just went through. Now, these other things, a lot of times they might not be worth talking through. Now, we're going to talk about some ways today that this this question can lead us to a uh, kind of a culture of shame and a culture of fear in our relationship with God. And so if this question is causing that in someone you love and someone you know, then absolutely there is a conversation that should be had about it. But ultimately, it's okay if they disagree. If there's not that culture of shame and that culture of fear going on, then it is okay if they disagree. And so I just want to start by that is to make sure, you know, whether it's this question or a different question, make sure we are not uh, making enemies out of our brothers and sisters because <laughs> we need to stand together. That's how, how we're going to move the kingdom of God forward together. So to go back to this specific question, there are two schools of thought within the Christian church that disagree with each other on this. And there's one school, obviously, that believes that they can lose their salvation, that it's not eternally set. It's dependent on different things. Uh, and then there's another school of thought that says, once you give your heart to Jesus one time, that's it. You're saved forever, done and kaput. Now, I personally, so you know my bias, I attend a church that believes that you cannot lose your salvation. And I tend to believe this as well, though I'll give some caveats to that. And the main verse that, that to me speaks to this and why I so firmly stand on this is, is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. And so to me, I read that and I realize none of my salvation is about myself. 
I have been saved because I believed. And this is not me. This is God. And so I can't do enough bad things to make me unsaved because I also can't do enough good things to save me. So my salvation actually has absolutely nothing to do with my works. Now, you know, James talks about how faith without works is dead. So we, we believe that when our hearts are truly changed by God, there's going to be fruit and evidence of that. However, if someone says yes to Jesus immediately before they die, I believe they are saved because all it takes is saying yes. It's it's really about that surrendered heart. You know, I've been reading through the Old Testament. I'm in the book of Jeremiah right now. And, you know, some of the things that, that God does in the Old Testament can seem harsh at times because he allows these these difficult things to happen to his people or to, to people that are, you know, going against what God has. But you can see as you read through the, all of the whole Old Testament and you really get an understanding for what's going on, you can see God's heart. He loves his people, you, so much. And, you know, in the book of Jeremiah, his people were rebelling against him and they were not listening to anything he had to say. And they were living these lives completely apart from God. They were doing what they wanted to do. They were following culture. They were in complete rebellion to God. And and God kept trying to send prophets to talk to them, specifically Jeremiah. He kept sending prophets to say, hey, turn around, turn back to me. Bad things are coming if you don't turn around. And so we sometimes we hear that bad things are coming and we start to think, oh, well, how could God love us if there's bad things coming towards us? But the thing is, God knows we will not be healthy and fulfilled and whole if we are serving things besides God, if we are rebelling from him. And so ultimately that is an act of love to actually even show us how to be obedient, to to give us uh, an actual tangible thing that turns us back to him. That is an act of love. But in addition to that, you see his love in that how many times he tries to warn these people and how much effort he puts into it. And then even though they like threw Jeremiah in jail and were going to try and kill him, and ultimately they didn't. But even, even with that, God says, okay, once you go through this Babylonian captivity, like this hard thing that was coming for them, right? They were going to go back into captivity after being set free from Egypt, but now they're rebelling. And so they're going to have to go back into slavery. But God already in, even before, even before the bad thing happens, God's already telling them the plan for how he's going to turn it around. And he's telling them, okay, even if you just surrender to the Babylonians, then you'll be saved. And then later on, I'm going to turn everything for good and you're going to flourish more than ever. And you're going to have all of these things. So it's like God so desperately wants to bless us and give us these lives of abundance and, and take care of us. But it is so essential to have any life like that, that we first need to have surrendered hearts to him. And that's all that God wants. That's what salvation is. It is surrendering your heart, your life to God. You're saying, I believe in you. You're saying, my life is yours. You're submitting to his leadership. You're submitting to him being God, to being Lord in your life. You're saying, I cannot do it alone. I have to have you, God. I am not enough. It is only through Jesus that I am saved. And so it is an act of faith and an act of surrender when we receive salvation from God. And that happens in a moment. And all it takes on our part is that surrender and that faith 
And God takes care of the rest, right? He does the miracle. He sent Jesus. He has his grace. He forgives us. He does it all, right? It's not by works so that no one can boast. And so, you know, one of the the things that this question can create, now it, it gets more complicated than this, but, but some people, how they think of salvation is that it is related to works, that if they sin and they don't immediately confess it, then they're not saved anymore. That if they were to die right, then they would go to hell. And that creates this, this relationship with God where you're constantly in shame one, like that you're, you're losing your salvation every moment. Right. And, and it, it's this mentality of works that you have to make sure you remember to confess it and make sure that you confess it in that moment and make sure you're constantly keeping the, everything in check. And that creates this fear. Right. If, if, if I were to be in that place and not believe that my salvation is secure in God, even when I mess up, I would be terrified because I mess up all the time. And I do try and, you know, go back to God afterwards and confess and ask for forgiveness. But there are things that I forget about. There are things I didn't even realize I was sitting in that moment because I got some pride and pride can hide some stuff in your heart. Right. And so there's, there's so much that I miss. And so I, I don't have to remember every little moment. It's more about a surrendered heart. And so really the moments that I go and confess with God is when I realize I'm in the moment of like, maybe it's like an angry moment and I'm saying something I shouldn't to my husband and I can hear God telling me, Brittany, Brittany, bridle your tongue. Don't say that. Stop. Turn your heart around. And I just kind of shut it off. I shut off that voice. I, I, I rebel against God in that moment. And, and so I harden my heart to him. And so then after those moments, I'm like, oh gosh, okay. I did it again. I got to go re-surrender my heart to God because I kind of just took it back and said I was going to do it on my own. Right. And so then in those moments, I'll go back to God, but it's not about every little thing ever, because if it was that then would be about me, right? It's about me being perfect, right? Even, even if you're accounting for sin and that like is a moment of imperfection, if you believe that you could lose your salvation, if you didn't confess every little thing, you'd have to be perfect to do that. You'd have to be perfect to remember every little thing, catch every little thing, confess every little thing, right? That would take some level of perfection. And we are not meant to be perfect. We are broken sinners. We're going to mess up. And like I said, we're going to forget things, blah, blah, blah. But God is the only one that's perfect. And so if I have that mentality that I have to confess it and I have to make it better, then it becomes a me about me earning it right? Then it's like me earning that salvation. I have to do X, Y, and Z in order to earn it. When really, again, there's nothing we can do to earn it. It is a free gift of salvation, right? says it's free so that no one can boast. So no one can say, well, I've confessed everything and you haven't confessed everything. So you're not saved, but I'm saved. So we absolutely, when we're answering this question, I firmly believe it is not about our works. It is not about if we make mistakes, if we mess up and we forget to confess it. No, it is about a surrendered heart. Now I'm going to spout out some more verses that supports this view that we cannot lose our salvation. Um, John 10, 28 and 29 says, uh, Jesus says he's given us eternal life. 
that they will never perish and that no one will snatch them out of his hand. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So Jesus is talking about how he has given us the gift of eternal life and people that choose to believe are protected in his hand and nothing can take them out of his hand, right? It's so clear there. Ephesians 4.30, Paul tells us to not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we think of sealed, we imagine something that is permanently secure, right? Sealed, it's sealed up, it's it's stuck, It's there's a seal on it, you can't get into it without, without it breaking, right? And then the seal wouldn't be there. So that, that kind of insinuates that we are saved forever. Another verse, John three sixteen. God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So if it's truly eternal, if this gift that, that God has given us is eternal, then how can it be taken away if it's eternal? right? And then another verse, Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this is saying that nothing can take us away from God when we are surrendered to him. So ultimately, I think it's important why you're asking this question. If you're asking this question because you're worried that you're going to lose your salvation when you mess up and when you're not perfect and and when you're a little lukewarm, then I want to say that you cannot lose your salvation. You are God's. We are all imperfect. It's, It's his grace that saves us. It's not our works. And ultimately, I think if we're asking this for ourselves, it's kind of the wrong question. I think if we get focused on this, we're kind of off in a way because the goal here is to follow Jesus as closely as we can, right? It's not about works. It's not about accomplishing things. It's not about counting how many sins we have on the other side and, and comparing ourselves and thinking that we're better. It's not about checking boxes and saying, okay, I I checked the box of salvation. I'm checking the box of attending church and I'm checking the box of reading my Bible, right? None of that is that pleases God. Like God wants our hearts. And so if we're worrying, if this question is just about ourselves, which I know it often is not, it's about other people and we're going to get to that. And I don't know the the question asker. I don't know exactly her heart behind it, but I want to challenge all of you. If this question is for yourself, it's the wrong question. The question for yourself should be, is my heart surrendered to God? Is my heart fully surrendered to God. And that's a question you should ask yourself every day when you wake up and all throughout the day. And not in terms of like, okay, well, there's a fear. And if I don't surrender to God, then I'm, I'm going to be out and I'm going to go to hell and all these things. No, it's because God wants us. Just like when we've talked about parenting, we've talked about getting to the heart of our kids. We are God's kids. He wants our hearts. And so we should be focused on how we can surrender more of our heart to him. And, oh, wow, there's an area there where 
gosh, I didn't even realize I how I'd taken control of that. Or wow, I saw how I hardened my heart there. And, and we're working on that with God. And, and not only are we confessing it to God, we're trying to talk with God about what happened. Whoa, I got off there. You know, I really let my husband have it. And I, that is not who I am. That's not who you made me to be. What is going on inside of me that led to this place? What do I need to get healing from? What do I need to change inside of me? Right? It's this continual journey of going deeper and deeper with God. And it's not about works. It's not about doing better works and doing better things in the world. It's about us just living these lives more and more that look like Jesus. Because if it looks like Jesus, it's going to have our heart in it. And ultimately, our walk with God isn't just about saying yes to him. And so we can't also just look at it and be like, oh, I'm securing my salvation. I said, yes, I'm going to go do what I want, right? First of all, that might not be an actually surrendered heart because maybe you didn't say yes genuinely. If you're just going to go doing your own thing afterwards, then that maybe that wasn't a true, genuine moment of surrender to God. And even if it was, ultimately, the goal is not just that moment. It's us living a life of surrender, us continually giving that back to God. So if that's you, if you've been asking this question because you're in fear for yourself, that's my encouragement to you. Now, I know a lot of people ask this question because they're in fear about other people. Maybe they have a loved one that has once followed God, but now they've strayed away and they want to know what's going to happen to them and they want to know what to do. And For me, I don't have an actual answer for you. I can tell you there's people that believe both sides of things. I can tell you that there's people that believe that if you do it once and you fully surrender to God and then you end up living the rest of your life away from God, that you are saved. And I can tell you there's some other people that believe that if you have that moment of salvation and you live your life for a while for God, but then you rebel and turn away, then you are not saved. And so there is both sides, but my encouragement to you is that you actually don't need to know the answer to that question. Because, well, first of all, I want to say that I know that's painful. I know that's really hard because for our loved ones, we want to know what what's going to happen for them in eternity. We want that security of, of knowing they're safe. But ultimately, I think some of the mystery might actually motivate us to do the right thing because ultimately, regardless of what the answer is, our, our position towards that person should be the same thing. It should be one to pray for them fervently, regularly, make sure that, that we are being faithful to, to take them to God in prayer and believe in a God that's going to bring them back. And I think the other thing we need to do is to love them right? This can look like a lot of different things. Sometimes this means reaching out and telling them we're praying for them. Sometimes this means blessing them with a meal or clothes or whatever they need in that season. Sometimes this means challenging them and asking them some hard questions and having hard conversations with them about where they're at with God and being uncomfortable with them disagreeing with us, right? But I think to pray for them the best and love them the best, it's actually almost better if we don't know the answer to that question. And maybe that's why God didn't make it perfectly clear in the Bible. We know, like I said, that it's not by works. So we know it's not what we were talking about earlier. But in terms of like someone truly rebelling from God and, and not turning back and living their lives away from God and maybe believing in a different religion, maybe just believing in themselves, like whatever it is, that's what we're talking about here. And And with that, it almost helps us 
to pray better and to love them better if we don't know the answer. Because if we have the security of being like, okay, well, they're saved, so I can kind of chill out. I don't have to pray too much or I don't have to really reach out and try and love them because they're secure. They're on their own path. It's uncomfortable to talk to them right now. They disagree. So it's okay. Like God's got them, right? So there would almost be too much security in that. And I think our heart almost needs a little bit of that mystery to keep up with doing the things that we're called to do as Christ followers. And I know that's not easy, especially if it's one of your kids that once knew God and now has run away or a close friend or a parent. Like that is not easy. But I do know that God wants to sustain you through it. And in that uncertainty, we have the opportunity to press into God in a greater way and increase our faith and trust that God is in control and that he, they are his kids and he loves them more than we possibly could. And that doesn't make it easy, but it is true. And so there's this beautiful opportunity to draw closer to God in the middle of this question and draw closer to that person that's far from God in the middle of this question. And so I don't think we need to know that answer. So I hope that challenges you. I hope you begin asking a different question for yourself if it's about you and asking yourself how surrendered you are to God and how you want to move closer towards him and what else you need to to release to him. And for others, the same thing. How, How can you release this to God and how can you love and pray for this person better? And I want to spend our last couple minutes just kind of answering some of this mama's questions. She had a few specific examples that I feel like are are helpful for you guys to really make this practical. And I imagine some of you have these same questions. And so I just want to speak to these just for a minute. So her first question, she says, I'm curious because I do believe those verses and what the Bible says. And that was referencing by grace, we have been saved. She said, however, on one hand, if we believe what the Bible says and accept the Lord into our heart, doesn't that mean we are all saved and we are all going to heaven? On the other hand, we have been taught that, no, we are not all going to heaven. So where is the difference that I'm not yet understanding? Now here, um, so the first question, it says, if, if the Bible says, if we accept the Lord into our heart, doesn't that mean we're all saved and we're all going to heaven? And yes, the bottom line is that whoever has surrendered, now it isn't all of us. So, and I'm not sure what exactly she meant by that question, but there are many people that have not surrendered their heart to God ever, and they are not willing to do so. It it does take a moment of surrender, of faith, of, of not believing just in yourself for a moment. But it is also that simple. It is as simple as saying yes to God and giving your life to God. And in that moment, you are saved. So... It's so simple, right? It's that, that simple moment with God of just giving him your life. But yet it's it's more than simple too because it does take a surrendered heart. And there's many, many people that are unwilling to surrender their hearts. It, it is a, it's simple and yet it's a huge step. So that's how I describe the difference. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10, 9. So yes, it is that simple. And yet it's not because it takes a surrendered heart to do that. And not all are willing to surrender. 
So that's how I'd speak to the first question. The next question, she says, here's an example. My husband says that he thinks you can lose it because you can't have been saved and baptized as a child and then become an adult and do something terrible and expect to go to heaven. So what I would speak to that is if you were saved as a child and it says and baptized. So first of all, I imagine this person is talking about baptism as a child at the age where you can understand. You know, I know there are certain denominations that believe in infant baptism and I believe that baptism is an outward declaration of your faith when you're to the age where you accept Jesus as your savior and you understand the meaning behind that. As a child, to me, it's more you're dedicating that child to the Lord as a parent and you're saying, I'm going to raise this child in the way they should go. And so I don't personally believe in infant baptism. And so if they're referring to, okay, as a child, because, you know, for me, I was four when I first raised my hand to say yes to Jesus, I remember. And then I got baptized, I think I was probably seven or eight. And so at age seven or eight, I had an understanding over what I was doing. That was my declaration of faith to get up in front of the church and be baptized. And that was me saying, I commit my life to Jesus. And so if a child is doing that and, and they understand they're at an age where they can understand. And so they are truly saved because their heart, their own heart, their parents' heart can't do it. Their own heart has to surrender to God. Then yes, they are saved. And if they do something terrible as an adult, well, they're just like the rest of us. (laughs) We all do terrible things every single day. Now, I know in our human understanding, there are certain things that seem more terrible than others. However, God views sin all on the same playing field. We are all messed up sinners right there together. And so whatever this person they're imagining did, that is no worse than when we lie and it's we think of it as some kind of white lie or we have lust in our hearts or we don't fully uh, aren't fully honest on our taxes or when we yell at our husbands like I keep talking about. We're all on the same page. And that's the beauty, though. It's hard to imagine, but that's the beauty of the gospel. It, it brings us all together. We're all one as messed up sinners, redeemed by a savior who is good. Because remember, we can't do enough good stuff to get to God. We can't do enough bad stuff to get away from him. It's only by his grace, his grace, not us. So you could do the most horrendous thing imaginable. And if your heart is surrendered to God, you are saved. Now, again, we have the question of if you've fully turned away from God and you are rejecting him and rebelling against him and and you never turn your life around. Again, I don't I'm not I don't know the answer to that. However, if this person, you know, has had a surrendered heart, but then they had a season where they're completely away from God and they did a horrible thing and they died right after that, I believe they would 100 percent go and be with God for eternity. Because just like if I yelled at my husband right before I died, (laughs) I believe I would get to go spend an eternity with God in heaven. Can't mess up too much for God. And yes, that should humble you a little bit. I know that kind of can rub against our pride if we feel like we're a good person, we're a good Christian, and we do the right thing. 
But actually, God wants to humble us. Actually, our pride gets in the way of our relationship with God. And we really should view ourselves all on the same plane because we are. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. It's never by our works. And we're not better than anyone else. And I hope that frees you as well as challenges you because pride is never a fun one to overcome. As I well know, it's uh, been a journey, (laughs) daily journey still. All right, let me answer her last question. She has another example. She says, another example is someone I know says that he believes in God, the Bible, and that Jesus died for our sins. He will talk openly about God, but then turn around and yell and cuss at his wife almost daily. He doesn't attend church and seems to find something wrong with all of the churches that he visits. Yes. Okay. This is a good one. So I can understand her struggle with this question. To me, this reminds me a couple things. First of all, it reminds me of the Pharisees in the Bible. You know, the Pharisees were the ones in the Bible that were very religious. This guy doesn't exactly sound like him, but in in that they were, you know, they were teachers and they, you know, tried to get everyone to do all the right things, but actually their hearts were not surrendered to God and their hearts were full of pride, like we've been talking about. And so why it reminds me of him, like why he reminds me of a Pharisee is because of the hypocrisy, right? So you see with a mouth, someone saying something, and then you see them going and doing a different thing. And so that can be really hard as a Christ follower, or I mean, especially I think of those that don't know Jesus to see that example. And it's challenging. Because I know that, especially people that, that are questioning their faith, they look and, and try and see, is there really anything different about you guys? What's this whole thing about? Is there anything there? And so these, it can be so hard to see people still caught up in a sin pattern. And ultimately, I don't know this guy and I don't know his heart. And really the only question I have is, is his heart surrendered to God? And I think only God can answer that question. But really, this is the question for all of us. You can look at someone in their actions and they could be doing all these amazing things in the world and it's so incredible and we look to them and like, wow, they must love God so much and their heart could absolutely not be surrendered, right? And then we look at him and maybe he is constantly struggling. His heart is surrendered, but he has this sin issue and he's not getting into a church. And so he's not getting into community to help work out the healing that he needs. And that's how we find healing is in community. But ultimately I'm not him and I'm not God. And so therefore my only job is to love him and pray for him. And maybe challenge him, right? That's part of the love. It's like, hey, let's get into a church. Like, I know that, you know, there is no perfect church. There is something wrong with all of them. But God calls us to this. Like, let's go, you know. It depends on, you know, obviously their relationship with this person. But that that's what love could look like. But ultimately, we don't need to know if he is saved or not. We need to pray for him and we need to love him. And God God steers us away from this kind of judgment of, of trying to decide people's hearts. You know, there was such an amazing sermon a couple weeks ago at my church. I'm going to try and remember to link it in the show notes. But it was all about the woman that comes into dinner where Jesus was at. And this woman is a prostitute. And she comes in. She wasn't invited. And she comes in and pours oil on Jesus's feet. And everyone in there, I think it was Pharisees in there, they were just flabbergasted that Jesus would allow this to happen, that, that he would allow her in there, that he would allow her to do this. 
And they kind of start questioning Jesus, saying, like, well, if you were a prophet, you would have known what kind of woman this was. And Jesus has a whole long thing to say about it. You can read it in Luke 7. But I'm going to pick up in uh, verse 44. It says, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, he said this to Simon, he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And so right here, Jesus is kind of throwing this idea back in our faces and saying, you think you're better. You think you have less sin. Well, if you do have less sin, that means you've been forgiven less and you're going to love less because you don't realize the grace that you've been given. This woman, her sins are many. They're very apparent. They're very visible. But she has been forgiven much, much, and she knows it. And so we've got to be careful not to step in that pharisaical mindset where we're looking at other people's sins. We have sin. You have sin. Everyone listening has sin. That is what we need to look at. We need to every day be focused on how we can get rid of more of that sin. And if you think you don't have any sin, your sin is pride. Like I said, that's a tough one, but there it is for you to work on. Now, In this story, we can see so clearly this woman's heart was surrendered to Jesus. And that's the key, right? But ultimately, we don't need to worry about that. It's not our business. Our business is to pursue Jesus with all of our hearts, give our lives to him, work out our own sin issues, and then love and pray for everyone around us. And Jesus is going to do the work. Jesus is going to do the work to get rid of their sin and to help them find him. And whatever the answer is about their salvation, Jesus is working it out. It is our job just to love them and pray for them. Sometimes loving them means standing up for what's true and, and challenging them. But we do that in love and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I hope that encourages you and challenges you. I know it's going to be challenging for some of you, but I also think there's so much freedom in this. Our job is simpler than we make it sometimes. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for your gift of salvation. God, I thank you that not a single one of us can earn it. And that's just so beautiful. God, I thank you for your grace and that it equalizes all of us, Lord. And I just pray for humble hearts, Lord, for my heart to be humble. God, I just pray you would just erase all of the pride inside of me, God, so that I could just be more like you, God, and I could give more of myself to you, God. And I just pray for any area of sin, God, in anyone's life that's listening, God, that you would just put your finger on it, God, and in the gentle way that you do and and just show her what you want her to change and what you want her to do. And we we just love you and we thank you for your gentleness as a father and our king, God, that, that you want what is right, God, but you meet us where we're at and you walk with us through this journey of healing and redemption. And you're just so good and faithful, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, Mama. If you found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. 
I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Thank you.